And you guys have picked a great day to be in God's house. We are on week three already of launching our 40 days of community, a six-week small group. And we've been praying and asking God for real relationships and a deeper level of community to take root and take place within the walls of our church and the, and the hearts and, and lives of the members of our church and for that to bleed out into our communities. And I want you to know community is happening, guys. Real community is unity. Say that with me. Community, community. is unity. unity. Amen. And community and unity are happening. The title of our message today is Building Healthy Relationships. Somebody say relationships. Did you know that healthy relationships don't just happen? They are built. Relationships that are healthy take work. And they have to stand on the foundation of God's word and the foundation of who God is and the love of God. And, and the healthiest relationships are literally built on the cornerstone of who Jesus Christ is. This is way out of left field. It's not really anything to do with the message today. But as we're talking about relationships being built, I just want to go ahead and say Pastor Jessica and my 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 wife, Pastor Jessica, we are celebrating our seven-year anniversary today. Amen. And there's no way we could stand up here and say that we are still happily in love and happily married for seven years without building our relationship on Jesus. And we have to physically build every single day. And if you've been married for one day, you understand that to be true, right? And I don't want today's message to be about marriage. I want it to be broader as we talk about all relationships, friendships, our, our family dynamic of relationships, our friend relationships, but really specifically as we're trying to connect together with our church family, our forever family, connecting and building relationships, do you know you can't, you can't, you can't build healthy relationships by just coming on Sunday morning, keep coming on Sunday morning, but it, it's really hard to connect outside of, hey, how's your family doing? Do you want some coffee today? Do you, you can't really connect at a deep, deep level on Sunday morning, right? God uses that as a starting place to build healthy relationships. It's going to take, it's going to take more of you and more of others, right, that are both collectively building together. So, so building healthy relationships takes work. And I'm excited as I, I visited a first small group this week, uh, our very own Dick and Tina. I love Dick and Tina. They're our children's pastors. And I got to meet some awesome new folks and a lot of people that I already know and love and care about. But it, being part of that small group this week, it was like I got to build build on the relationships that I already have and begin to make other new relationships and begin to build those with new folks. And God just blessed it. So if you haven't been coming to any of our small groups yet, it's not too late. If you've attended a small group so far, raise your hand. Amen. I don't want to pick on anybody. Keep those hands up if you've been attend if you attended one. If you haven't attended one, that's totally fine. We love you, no judgment. But see one of these people with their hands up. And I guarantee they'll tell you how, how worth it it is. And how awesome and powerful it's been, right? So we're going to be talking about building healthy relationships, as I've already said today. Let's look at that first point today, and then we'll open up God's Word together. Look at that first statement, that first thought today. Let's unpackage this together. Look what it says. Life-giving community only happens in the context of healthy, someone say healthy, relationships. We have, excuse me, what we have received from Jesus, we should extend to others. 
the Lord was just reminding me this week that our relationships, what they look like, how they function, how they operate, the status of that actual, the condition of that relationship is actually a reflection of how I am spiritually. If I'm spiritually a mess, then my relationships are going to be a reflection of what's going on with me internally. But if you are all out in love with Jesus Christ, if you are all out in thankfulness, if you, if you walk in, in love and humility and selflessness in your daily walk with Jesus Christ, that's reflected in your relationships. And you'll love your family and you'll, you'll be there for your family. You'll be there for your friends. You'll be there wherever you work. You'll stand out. And so life-giving community, if that's our prayer and that's our heart for real community, deeper level community to happen within the walls of our church and for that to, to manifest on the outside of the walls of our church and to our community community for the real unity to happen, we have to be striving and building healthy relationships. Pastor Ian, what's the best thing I can do to, to, to build healthy relationships? I want to be friendly. I want to have good godly relationships. The, the most important thing you can do is every single day be building the most important relationship, which is your relationship with who? Someone take a guess. Just, just, just give me a name, the name above all names. Jesus Christ. If, if Jesus Christ is your healthiest relationship, your relationships will be, hey, be healthy. Thank you. Somebody was tracking along with me. If, now, that's a, day, that's a daily building, too. It's a daily grind of walking, fellowshipping with Jesus Christ, allowing Him to teach to you, being teachable, allowing Him to minister and to care for you and to help us as we, as we do life, as we're in our Word, as we pray, and as we believe for God to do amazing things. Because if I love Jesus, He's saved me, He's redeemed me, He's set me free. Any prodigal sons and daughters in the house who's been saved or deemed set free by the blood of Jesus, if He's done that for you, right, what we've received from Jesus, we should extend that to others. Right? And we don't have to beat people over the head with the Bible. We don't have to be teachy and preachy. All you got to do is share what Jesus Christ did for you. And when you do that, I shared last week, we have a tendency to connect to other people's failures and tests and trials a whole lot more than we're prone to connect to other people's victories. And there's victory in Christ. Come on, somebody. Right? But people have a tendency when you begin to tell them how good God is and how awesome your blessed life is, and, and you are blessed, but they have a tendency to say, well, hey, God can't do that for me. But if I promise you, you begin to share your pigsty before God brought you out all that, that person will connect to you. They'll hear your heart, and they'll, say, they'll see you as human and flawed, not as a, a puffed-up Christian and the longer you live for Jesus, the more he strips away and the more blessed your life does appear and look to others. But guys, we can't forget where Jesus brought us from right, and where he's taken us. And so that's for free for somebody. If you're having trouble connecting to somebody and you, you feel like the Lord's put that person on your heart, begin to share where, where you started. Begin to share where you started and where God has brought you from. Look at, let's open our Bibles. Turn to Philippians. Turn over to chapter 2. I want to give you a few verses. So we're talking about community and healthy relationships today. Look, look what Paul says 
to the church in Philippi. He says, verse 1 there, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Now, he's saying this in tongue-in-cheek. It's kind of rhetorical questions. He says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then, someone say then. Put that in the chat if you're with us today. Then. Make me truly happy by what? Agreeing wholeheartedly. This is what I want you to highlight and get today. With each other, loving one another, and working, there it is, together with one mind and one purpose. Loving others means we are wholeheartedly devoted to God. Jesus broke the Ten Commandments down to two. You Bible scholars know what it is. He said, love the Lord your God with all your, with everything in you, your mind, your body, your soul, and love your neighbor as. So if we build a relationship with Jesus Christ every single day, and the revelation of what God has done for me bleeds out of me to others, we'll be wholeheartedly connected and unified together, loving others is more than just lip service. I think, church, we're really good at telling people how much we love them and how much God loves them. But have you ever heard nobody knows how much, cares how much you know until they know how much you care? So we build a bridge from those that are in death, sickness, sin, despair. Building a bridge from, from death to life by laying our lives down. Not just telling people that we love them and God loves them, but by showing them that God loves them. We got to do something real simple yesterday, just a simple car wash. And God opened up a door for, for us to pray for people. Met a lady, her husband, Jake. I can't, her, her name just escaped me, but I remember her husband's name, Jake. She said, can you, I said, uh, is there anything I can do for you? You got a home church? She said, no, but I've been thinking about going to a church. I told her about our church, and I said, is there any way we can pray for you today? She said, yeah, actually, my husband, he's, he's got a lot of court issues, and he's in a lot of trouble. He's, he's been addicted to drugs and alcohol. I said, well, guess who else was addicted to drugs and alcohol? Guess who else had a lot of court appearances. Guess who else was locked up? I said, I don't know your husband, but I know somebody that does. And if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for him. And she about started crying. So that's how we don't just, that's, a, that's taking the next step, not just saying, oh, God loves you. Hope it works out. We have to take a step of faith, right? And I believe in that moment, God, God did something, opened a window of heaven over her life, and maybe, maybe she needed a little glimmer of hope as she's her husband, she's her, she's his wife, excuse me. She might have needed that little glimmer of hope, and I'm going to keep praying for Jake, because God did that for me, I know he can do that for him. Love is an action that must be outwardly expressed. You know what the, the whole Old Testament is? Before Jesus came, God's saying he loves us. Jesus came to show us that what God said is real. I'm glad Jesus came. Because we didn't need to just hear that God loves us. God's for us. 
God, God's, he's more than the law. He fulfilled the law. Jesus showed us on the cross that can never be taken back. He says forever, I love you. I've showed you. Now it's on you. That's how we have to live our lives. We all have a cross to bear. And we have to show that to the world around us. It's going to take faith, and it's going to take us. Look at that next point. Not doing life the way the world looks, which currently is very selfish. Our world today is so selfish, and we're all guilty of it. We live our lives according to a calendar with times and dates and events and activities. Y'all, I have two cell phones. I'm a pastor of a church. I also do pest control full time. I know what it's like to live your life according to a calendar. Guys, but we have to see eternal things. When God presents moments, and if I'm so busy, 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 that I can't see what God's willing and wanting to do in and through me, then we live like the world does. Look what that point says. So we're, excuse me, before we read, I, I, we're going to give you four keys today for us to show the world how, how God loves them, right? Look at that first one. So, so, so selfishness, as I've just been kind of hitting on. It destroys, someone say destroys. It destroys relationships and the works of God, more than just relationships. Selfishness is how we build them. There is no selfishness in the kingdom of God. There's no, there's, no, there's no time. There's no place. People have no time and no place for selfish people. I know we can all be guilty of being selfish at times, but I hope and pray that's not how you live, right? We have moments of selfishness, but that's not how you live. Do you know there's people out there that live that way? And we're still called to love them. But if you know somebody that lives like that, you probably don't have a whole lot of time for somebody that lives that way. Because selfishness, what has that person, they're blind to the way that they live. They're blind to the way they respond. They're blind to the way that other people perceive them because they are so, so arrogant and prideful and selfish. It's always about me, 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 I, 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 and, and my issues and my problems and you're, you're wrong and I'm right. And they don't see that the way that they're living is destroying everything around them. A person that lives that way is not capable of healthy relationships. Because it's always about them. And no one's ever, ever right. And so, church, we still have to move to a place that loves people where they're at. But I want to flip the coin because as a church, we cannot be steeped, puffed up in pride and selfishness and, 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 and church focused on our own issues, which we have, on our own attendance, on our, our, all the things that we're doing within these walls and lose sight of what's going on out there. If you have visited any, any amount of churches in your life. I've visited a lot. And I don't want to bash any churches, but I'm sure all of us, if you've visited churches, you've stepped foot in a church where you didn't have, you didn't have peace when you walked through that door. You didn't feel the presence of God. You felt maybe, maybe the judgment and the, and the rigid 
spirit, that 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 ant that, that anti unity spirit, right? They're they're the, what is it? They're, they're 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 selfish on their flock, and if you're not a member of their flock, they almost look at you wrong. You you, you can feel it, and we can't we can't do that, guys. We. We'll let anybody come through these doors. As long as you got clothes on, we'll let you through these doors. If you don't have clothes, we'll probably have some here. We'll get you some. Amen? Because we want you to know that God loves you. We can't be so selfish in what we perceive and what, and what, what we believe that we lose sight of the only thing that, that, that matters, which is the soul of each and every single person, no matter what it currently looks like. Right? And that's how you begin to build healthy relationships. Somebody who's really down and out, like I was, jobless, homeless, penniless. Liberty Church had the Sunshine House, the men's living home, a year-long program. Y'all didn't know me from anybody. And you didn't say, hey, do this first, do that first, do this, and and then come see us, and maybe we'll let you into our house and, and show you how much God loves you. They took me when I had nothing. They weren't selfish. What, what did that do to me? They built me up from ground zero. If Liberty Church had not done that for me, there's no telling where I would be. I may, may be dead, maybe in hell right now. And so we have to show the world that type of love. Love is an action that must be outwardly expressed. This is what I know about people. Every single person wants to be heard. Every single person wants to be loved, cared for. Every single person wants to be pursued and served. There's nothing wrong with those desires. God made us a relational people. We can't do life alone. He calls us to actually serve and help each other. And so if the world doesn't do what God has commanded, there's chaos and there's division. And so we need to be able to see how God can use us to do those things, to care, pursue, serve others. And when we do that, what happens? We gain trust of those individuals. If you serve somebody, if you pray for somebody, if you care for somebody, if you listen to somebody, connection happens and trust happens and you begin to build a healthy relationship. Let's stay in Philippians. We're going to read... Those next two verses, look at verse 3 and 4, look what it says. It says then, so don't be, there's that key word. Don't try to impress others. Be what? That's what I want you to highlight today, underline. That's your key. We're always going to counteract what we should not do with what God says we should do. Right? There's a place of hope for us. He says, be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves, don't look only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. As I just shared, everyone wants to be served. Everybody wants to be pursued. Everybody wants, wants to have friends and have relationships. Everybody has needs. Guess what? You have needs. I have needs. But we have to be so on point with, with the Holy Spirit and where God has us that we can't miss others' needs. We can't be so focused on my needs, and I know we got them. All right, that's okay. 
keep praying, keep believing. If you need healing for a loved one or if you need a new job, you need, you're going through something. But look what it says. It says, don't look out only for your own interests, but, somebody say but, take an interest in others too. I feel like the Lord showed me, if you need breakthrough in your life, with whatever area it is. And I've seen him do this over and over again. Find somebody that needs a breakthrough and do what? Help them. Start by prayer. Start by connecting. Start by finding out the issue, the problem, the test, the trial, and say, hey, how can I pray for you? They're probably going to be so thankful. Guess what they're probably going to do? They're going to ask you, hey, what's going on with you? Is there any way I can help you? And then there's a moment for you to share what's going on. I wonder how many of us are fighting battles alone. Maybe we don't want to share it with others because we think if I share this issue or this problem in my life, then then you're going to look human. It's okay. None of us are perfect. Why do we feel like we have to? Because Jesus Christ is my Lord, then my life is just hunky-dory, right? And the whole time, God wants you to have other people fighting this battle with you. Not being selfish, not just being focused on my needs, but being selfless, building relationships with others. We can't be so needy that we don't see the needs of others. Skip over to James chapter 3. I'll give you a couple verses. It says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and it says demonic. For what, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil of every kind. It says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. There's, there's no room and no place for selfishness and pride. It says, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and denom- demonic. Did you know God designed us to take care of each other? As soon as you took your first breath, guess what you were relying on? Somebody else to take care of you. Before Adam and Eve sinned, well, let's just start with Adam. It was just Adam and who? Before he sinned, right? And then God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone, so he made woman helper from Adam. They still hadn't sinned, and they walked and talked and fellowshiped with God and each other and their their, their relationship. As soon as they sinned, sin entered the world. Reproduction entered the world. And ever since then, Adam and Eve needed more than God. They needed each other. And every single person that would come from that lineage would need somebody else to help, care, nourish, and minister to that person. You cannot be selfish and fully enter into all that God has for your life. Look at that next key I want to give you today as we're talking about building healthy relationships. So selfishness destroys relationships. Pride. Somebody say pride. Destroys relationships. Humility and and builds them. Write this down for free. Write it two or three times. Pride kills. Pride kills, it kills, it destroys 
The opposite of that is humility, right? And that's our key. Humility, gentleness, and meekness is our key to connect to others. Turn over to 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, they are, they all, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Pride destroys relationships. Pride is an anti-Christ spirit. There's no unity in pride. It's rooted in jealousy and envy. Do you know who is pride? Satan himself. How did Satan become Satan? He fell from heaven because he wanted to be God. He thought he could be God. Pride was his downfall. It destroyed the most important part of who he was, which was an angel favored by God. It's no different for you and for me. If we live prideful lives around others, it'll kill. We'll think the thought of, you know what, I don't need others. I don't need other people. Me? I'm good. You better be careful if you have that thought, I'm good. Because ain't none of us good. Pride comes before the fall, Proverbs said. So if you think you got it all put together, you better invite the Holy Spirit to come teach and lead your life a little bit. But if we allow that type of spirit to lead our lives, it's, it's an anti-Christ spirit. Right? All designed to get you alone, doing your thing alone without the community and unity of others. And also for you to repel others. Because no one has time for that, that type of, of, of pride and, and jealousy. Because pride kills. Skip back into Philippians. Chapter 2 there. We're going to continue on there. Those next couple verses, verse 5 through 8. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of, of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The opposite of pride is humility, and that's our key to build healthy relationships and to connect with others. And the key to walking in that humility is, one, obedience to God. Am I being obedient to who God is and what he said over my life, just as Christ did? Two, I have to die to self. Jesus died on a cross. He died to self so that you and, all, you and I and all of us could experience eternal life and the hope and salvation of who Jesus Christ is because God loves all. If I can live my life that way, be obedient by faith on a daily basis, I'm not saying we don't stumble and have hiccups and, and mess up. When you do, ask for forgiveness and get up. But the, have the obedience and faith to please God, and I have to die to self every single day. And when I do that every single day, it gets a little bit easier. Come on, Rob, right? 
I die to self a little bit each day. If you die to self a little bit each day, guess what happens every single day? There's less of a funeral you have to have. Because there was a whole lot more of you yesterday, and I hope there's a whole lot more of Jesus in you today. And I hope tomorrow there's a whole lot more of Jesus in you than there is currently. What did John the Baptist say of Jesus? He said, less of me. I, I, I must decrease so that he can increase. And if we can make that be our prayer, and if we can externalize that and let that be manifested in our words and our actions... Guys, we won't live selfish lives. We won't live prideful lives. And God can use us, and we'll build a bridge and inspire hope to others. Look at that next one. It's fear. Fear destroys relationships, and love, the opposite, it builds them. We can't be afraid of people because they've hurt us in the past. Every one of us has been hurt, been betrayed. I know some of us have been abused. I don't share this a whole lot, but I was sexually abused at a young age. And so when those type of traumatic events happen in our lives, what happens? Naturally, we build up walls, right? Self-preservation. We fear people because people without Jesus Christ are evil. Come on, somebody. Why did Jesus have to come? Because without him... We will do despicable things. And so this is what we have to do. We have to have this balance. If and when I get hurt, how do I respond? Because maybe you do have to build up some walls, but, but in Proverbs 4.23 4, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the, the wellspring, the life of, of your life. So we do have to guard our heart and allow and pray and, and vet people that we allow into our lives, but we can't be so guarded that we don't have any relationships because fear destroys relationships. Maybe that event, that, that, that hurtful thing that happened to you, did you ever think maybe it was designed by the devil to take you out at an early age and for you not to just not fear God anymore or believe in God anymore, but to fear people? Because the enemy, the devil, understands that fear destroys relationships. And we can't, we can't be so afraid that we won't accept God's love and walk in his love. We have to learn from the hurts, get up from those hurts, and still trust others. Because I promise you, if you've been hurt in a real deep way, you're not going to be able to get out of that hurt by yourself. You will need the strength of Jesus Christ, but you, I promise you, you're going to need the strength of another Christian who really, loves for you, who really loves you and really cares for you that's going to help you and encourage you and to love you out of that deep, that deep pit of, of hurt and despair. We also can't be afraid of ourselves and what other people think of us. We can't continue to live and wear masks because we're afraid of allowing other people to see who we really, somebody say really, are. Because if you live that way, not only are you lying to yourself, you are actually living your life based upon what you think they think about you. 
That's messed up. Somebody say messed up. Not only are you living your lie, you quite possibly are living their lie. And you don't even know if they actually think that about you. And when you get around that person, you go out of your way to be somebody totally else. Somebody totally different that you aren't even. We do not live to appease or please somebody else's opinion. You live to please and appease Jesus Christ. Please, please live your life for Him. And when you are fully in love with who God is and who who God created you to be, you can be unashamed, not in a prideful way, but in a confident way of who you are in Christ. There is no condemnation, it says, in those who belong to Christ Jesus. Who belongs to Jesus in the house today? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You be all that God created you to be. There used to be a cheesy army commercial, be all that you can be in the army, right? I'm showing my age, ain't I? It used to be on TV like all the time. You be all that God has called you to be, right? Because he created you that way. You don't, we don't want you wearing those masks. You be who God has created you to be. Look at Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings what? A snare, right? It destroys But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Why do we have to trust? Holy Spirit, help me teach this. Let me backtrack a second. I need relationships with others. And the enemy wants you to be fearful of allowing people into your life. Because he understands God wants to set healthy boundaries and healthy relationships in your life to protect you. It was a person that hurts you. But God wants to use a person to protect you. So we have to trust God with our relationships because he uses those as an extension of his care and for his love for us. We must trust God with our relationships because he wants to keep us, you and me. Tell your neighbor this. He wants to keep you safe. He wants to keep you safe. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, not a spirit of fear, but what? Of power and what? Love. Love and self-discipline, some translations say, and a sound mind. We have not been given a spirit of fear. I experience fear from from case-by-case experiences and moments, but he has not granted me that spirit that is not of God. God is perfect love, casting out all fear. He gives us the spirit of fear. Why can we build healthy relationships? Because you have the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. You can have healthy relationships. Pastor Ian, I grew up the most most dysfunctional family the world has ever seen. Every family is dysfunctional, some more than others. It doesn't matter if you have prayed to accept Jesus Christ and you're in daily relationship with him. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And just because it looked like that doesn't mean it has to look like that for your kids or your family or your uncles or your cousins. You demonstrate that that spirit of love and power and a sound mind, and I promise you, watch your life blow up. Watch you be the most likable person and learn the most lovable person at work. The person that everybody wants to bend over backwards for because you're bending over backwards for them. You have not been given the spirit of fear. Somebody needs to hear this. 
You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Let's declare that over ourselves. God, say this with me. God, I've been given the power and love and a sound mind granted by your spirit. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, say amen. I mean, let's walk by that. Let's live in that. Look at that last point for today. Last key to building healthy relationships is resentment. Because resentment destroys relationship and forgiveness, it builds them. Unforgiveness is a bitter root and it kills and it destroys and it touches everything in your life. When you harbor unforgiveness, you actually limit God's grace on your life. Did you know that? When you refuse to give somebody else because they hurt you. And you didn't deserve that hurt. And if you continue to harbor that unforgiveness, you know what? You don't kill them. It kills you. And it's a slow fade. A little bit each day, it just kills and robs. It's like a cancer. No one can see it. And you put on a front. You wear the masks. You're doing the, the physical work, but spiritually inside, you're, you're, you're sick. And the, it's a bitter root. It's, it's killing. It's destroying your life. And you're on edge, and you're short, and you're hard to be around because you're dealing with this unforgiveness. If you could see that if you could forgive that person, and, and hear me, when you forgive that person, you're not saying what they did is okay. You're not condoning their actions. They may have done some vile, despicable things like somebody did to me as a young boy. But for me to experience forgiveness for my sins, because I've still done some despicable things in my life, for me to be forgiven by God, I have to freely forgive. It says, before you bring your gift to the altar, the Bible says, first go and be reconciled. Dear brother, before Jesus, a gift needed to come. It might look different. It may be a goat. It may be a sheep. It may be a, a turtle dove. But something had to die because of your sin. It was a gift of forgiveness. A gift had to be brought. Jesus is that, that gift, the eternal gift, that forgiveness of, of all sins. And so Paul says, before you, before you come to the altar with your gift, now for us that's, that's praise and, and thankfulness, First, go and be reconciled. Get right with the relationships in your life. Before you come and ask God to forgive you and bless you and help you, what do your relationships look like? Do you got one big relationship that's just a picture of dysfunction, a picture of hurt? A picture of, it's a mess. I'm here to tell you, you are going to stay limited. Not because God's not great, but until you can forgive that person for what they've done, there's going to be a limit on your life. Who wants the best God's got for them? Let's get rid of it. It starts by, by simply forgiving that person, hearing yourself pray their name, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do, Jesus said. Right? And asking for grace and mercy. And eventually, if you come to celebrate recovery, 
That's one of our steps is forgiveness. And that person, maybe, maybe you did something to them too, and you're not supposed to go to that person right away on day one, but I would suggest you praying for them, walking that out for a while. When you can begin to pray good things to happen in their life, that's maturity. And eventually, I promise you, eventually there'll be a day when, you, when you're going to see that person at the grocery store, or God will say, hey, I want you to the times now. You need to go see them. You need to get right, get reconciled with your brother. Then come and, and see me. Right? Because when we do that, it just it sets us free from the pain, the despair, and the guilt. When we can forgive them, it sets us free. Your freedom depends on how much forgiveness you can give. Look at, I'm going to leave you with Colossians 3, 12 through 14. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with what? Tender, hearted, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, I love this, clothe yourselves with what? Love. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Harmony means unity. I know this about relationships as I just shared, me and Pastor Jessica celebrating seven years of marriage today. Every relationship, there will be a day where forgiveness will have to happen. Somebody's laughing. Right? There'll be a day. If it's all gravy right now, maybe you got married yesterday and you're on the honeymoon phase. It's gravy, right? You love. In season, out of season. And I'm speaking death over there. There'll be a day where you said something you didn't even mean to say and that hurt them. And now they're harboring bitterness and they need to hear you say you're sorry. Even if you knew you did it or didn't do it, they need to hear you say you're sorry because reconciliation, forgiveness has to happen. We are a people that miss it, that mess up. We hurt people unintentionally and we even hurt people intentionally. So every relationship at some point will require forgiveness. What if we saw how much we're forgiven? So we would see that I need to forgive much. If you've been forgiven by some evil deeds, whew, think if your life was just, we could broadcast your life, events and tests and trials and situations on the TVs right here for everybody to sit and watch what you did. Whew, you wouldn't want to see what I did. I try to share some of those things. But because I did those things, guess what Ian needs? Much. Somebody say much. Forgiveness. Because I've done those things, Ian needs much forgiveness. And so that person that hurt you, maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't, guess what they need? Much forgiveness. Because we've been forgiven much, it requires that we forgive much. As we close, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I feel like we need to do that right now together. I want you to get still and quiet as we get ready to close. <clears throat> I feel like the Holy Spirit showing me there's this is a holy moment for us to forgive much. There's something in our lives, a relationship in our lives that we need to we need to collectively forgive this person or these people. 
And I want you to know that when you do that, you enter into the fullness of His grace and His mercy. And He'll begin to comfort you, even though it may be hard. You didn't deserve that hurt. You didn't deserve that pain. God wants to cleanse you of that. But you got to first get right with your brother. <clears throat> As we're sitting here praying, if, I feel like I'm speaking to somebody. If, if that's you, I, we're not looking at anybody, but if you got, you got this unforgiveness that's a, that's a bitter root in your life, I want you to just lift your hand up. Fix faith. Or keep them up. Keep them up. Raise them up high. Re reach to a reaching God. Amen. Keep them up. Keep them up. I want to lead us. Lead, uh, I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to put those hands down. And I want this prayer to be your prayer. And so, Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you that you forgive much. And so right now, God, we just, these people that have hurt us, these people that maybe are still hurting us, we declare grace and favor over them. If, if you know who it is, say their name. If you're in the pews, don't say it real loud or shout it. Say it loud enough for you to hear it. We declare that you would bless these people that have hurt us. Just as you pray, Jesus, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Maybe they do not know what they did. Maybe they do know, but God, we just freely give forgiveness because I require forgiveness. So as we release those, those people, God, and declare the best over their lives, we pray that you would grant the best over us, that you would help us Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Last thing I want to do is if you're here today and we talked about the number one relationship in your daily life being that with Jesus Christ. If you had never prayed to accept Jesus, if he's not your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to change that today. If God says something that dealt with your heart today and you want to, you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ, I'm excited for you, but I want you to do something for me. I want you just right now, if he's dealing with your heart, no one's looking at you. I want you just to lift your hand up real high, or you can stand up, one of the two. Say, Pastor Ian, the Holy Spirit spoke to me today, and I want to get right with God because i got a lot of things I need to be forgiven for, and I want the Spirit of God to live in my life. I'll give you a few seconds. If you're joining us online, put something in the chat. Let us know, hey, I want to pray this prayer to accept Jesus Christ. A few moments, a few moments. Best decision you ever made, transform your life. Amen. Amen. I want to lead us all in a prayer, and y'all repeat after me. Heavenly Father. God, we love you. We believe in your son, Jesus. We confess that he is my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And send your Holy Spirit to lead in God my life. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.